0: of drug war is glaringly obvious to judges, cops, wardens, prosecutors, and millions more now calling for decriminalization, legalization, the end of prohibition. Let us investigate the Century of Lies. Hello, my good friends. Welcome to this edition of Century of Lies. Today's program is about pain. And we'll speak to two people here on the North American continent who work to provide solutions for those in great pain. Here in just a few moments, we'll hear from the guru of ganja out in Oakland, California, Mr. Ed Rosenthal, who is once again to face federal charges for providing medical marijuana for the sick and dying. But first up, from Canada, the man many have proclaimed to be the Prince of Pot.
1: Hi, my name is Mark Emmer. I'm the publisher of Cannabis Culture magazine, the editor of the same magazine, the director of television, the leader of the B.C. Marijuana Party, and most currently I am the uh, commanding officer of the MySpace Vote 2006 Army, which is a campaign to get young people throughout America to sign up for a political campaign and let's throw some of these malevolent bastards out that are in the U.S. House of Representatives and Senate. And if we get involved, we'll pay more attention afterwards, too. So it's kind of like a a little bit of a commitment I'm getting from hopefully thousands of young people across America to participate in the November 7th election.
0: Now, I have made mention, um, what was it, five or six weeks ago, you and uh, Jody were married?
1: Yes, on uh, July 23rd, Jody, my editor, and I got married. And we've had so much fun since that the magazine's fallen behind a few days and youthful euphoria in her part, and uh, but we're having a delightful time. We've done uh, a year and a half's worth of work together on the magazine. We've put out eight issues. Um, we work together, live together, and have a delightful time, and she's kind of like my intellectual heir and legal heir that carry on if I get sent off to the gulags in the United States. And uh, But we are very much enjoying our, our, our married life,
0: well, I, I'm sure uh, the listeners out there concur that we we, we wish you all the very best and, and the heartiest of congratulations. Well, it was delightful
1: to have Ed Rosenthal up here, too, from California, defelonized, although they're charging him again, it would appear, um, trying to get him convicted once again. But he was able to visit, and that was really delightful. And we have a picture of Ed, Jane Klein, his wife, and Jody and I on the front uh, on the letters from the editor in the current Cannabis Culture magazine, which I and, uh, would like to urge all your readers to pick up. It's available in the United States on November, er, on September 13th. It's the uh, election issue. It's got the 16-page Stoner Voter's Guide in there, which is a very handy, handy thing to help people determine what they're going to do in the upcoming uh, elections in the United States. And, again, that's really our major emphasis these days in our magazine and online and everywhere. Is the next two months is the election campaign after Labor Day Monday. And, uh, we want to be uh, right in there. We're, we've been talking to Democratic Party chairmen, Libertarians, Green Party, but even the all-time, my all-time favorite member of the U.S. House of Representatives, Ron Paul of the 14th District in Texas, is a Republican. So I can honestly say that the best member of the U.S. House of Representatives is a Republican. Although the next best ones after that are about 45 Democrats. But um, very excited about the upcoming you know, November
0: 7th election. Now, uh, we hope to have Ed Rosenthal a little bit later in this program, and he is uh, uh, being, I don't know, uh, set up for a mandatory minimum, the way I understand they're, they're going at it this time.
1: And so they are. Uh, they definitely want to put Ed away for some serious time, which is outrageous. He's 67. He was deputized by the city of Oakland to do all the work he was doing. The jury was not allowed to even hear such information. I mean, federal courts in the United States are incredibly corrupt, and deficient in any level of justice or due process. And 97% of all cases that come to federal court get plea bargain because they basically threaten to give you, like, 5,000 years unless you accept their outrageous deal of 20 years or something like that. In my case, that won't have any effect. Two years, five years, 25 years are all the same to me because I'm convinced I'll never get out of uh, the United States prison system alive if, if I get sent there, so... Uh, but I, I feel a bit bad for Ed because he's an American and he's stuck there and if they charge him and they get the wrong judge in the wrong federal court it could be difficult though Ed I must tell you does not seem in any way worried
0: you know it it's those situations where Ed was trying to provide low cost or even free medical marijuana for the, the people there in Alameda County and the feds busted him and then they complain about the machinations of the uh, the consumer clubs, the uh, cannabis cannabis buyers clubs, uh, they they force this quasi or official black market to exist, do they not?
1: Oh, of course. Although I will tell you, since Hempfest, I've been delighted. I've had lots of visitors come up. Mason Tavert of Safer Colorado, who's fabulous initiative is put on the ballot in colorado to legalize an ounce or less of marijuana this november 7th totally exciting thing for every person listening in colorado should call up the safercolorado.org organization and get involved in that campaign same with nevada marijuana policy project has a legalization initiative on the nevada ballot there's a medical marijuana initiative on the south dakota ballot we've got candidates in every state that are worthy of people volunteering and giving money who are totally solid on drug law reform? We've got activists running in at least 25 states in the United States throughout uh, United States. It's just terrific that people like Loretta Nall running in Alabama and Ed Foreshon in New Jersey, and a lot of really good Democratic Party candidates running in Florida and illinois and new york and places that are challenging republicans who are very very progressive on drug law reform there's lots and lots of people to support and there's lots of reasons to be optimistic for this upcoming election campaign
0: your situation uh... looked quite perilous ominous in fact a few months back but uh... tell us a bit about the current circumstances regarding well, their attempt to extradite the DEA you.
1: has claimed i'm the largest marijuana producer of all time they said that during when I was operating my seed business, I'm responsible for 100,000 pounds of marijuana being produced every year, which over 11 years is like 1.1 million pounds worth, $2.2 billion, um, of which, I'm, if true, I'm very proud of that. I have no idea if it's true, but if it is true, I'm very proud of that. And it's not many people that can say they brought $2.2 billion of wealth to their community or the people they love and care for, so that is probably the best thing that could ever be said about me. So I, it's high, high praise, faint praise, I guess is the term. And we have a hearing next May, um, about eight months away, to determine if the courts will approve the extradition. And uh, there aren't a lot of legal strategies for me. My lawyer still says 98% certain I'm getting extradited, but there is an option for the Canadian public to show their displeasure with such an option and complain to the Justice Minister of Canada, who can overturn that. Now, the Justice Minister is a Mennonite who comes from a very Mennonite community and is a real reactionary, hanging prosecutor. So... Uh, Sympathy for me is not going to be something that uh, comes naturally to him. He'll need to be told by a large body of the Canadian public that there will be, uh, be disturbances in the country if I'm sent away. So we'll see what happens in that regard. But typically I pay no attention to that. There's too many things going on in the world that need to be looked at right away, and I tend to focus on my work at Cannabis Culture Magazine and this upcoming November 7th election in the United States and so many other activists causes that uh, are very worthwhile and necessary, from closing the School of the Americas in Fort Benning, Georgia, to ending the war in Iraq. There's no shortages of things to throw oneself into, and I'm, uh, I, I'm not worried about my extradition, although of course it's unusual that something no one has ever gotten jail sentence for in Canada, like selling seeds, and that the last time someone was convicted many years ago was a $200 fine. I nonetheless will face a jail sentence in a U.S. federal prison longer than what you'd get in Canada for multiple murder which is a maximum of 25 years. So, you know, the United States system is shown to be as draconian and punishment-oriented, such as a medieval prison system would be, you know, where you get flogged and whipped and fed to animals almost. I mean, to me, 30, you know, the United States starts at 35 years, but considering I'm charged, accused of, you know, the biggest marijuana producer of all time, you know, you're looking at, at uh, jail terms in the range of like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, I'm a drug trafficking kingpin. I'm a leader of a continuing criminal enterprise. By the time these things all add up, it's like hundreds of years in jail. Now, of course, the United States loves that superlative whereby you probably could only live 10 or 20 years, but they give you like 99 to 100 years or something like that, jail time, just in case you lived to 153. I expect the indictment against God is coming down soon, since I am the largest marijuana producer in the world in the history of mankind, second to him, so if there's an indictment out for me, I'm sure one's coming for him shortly.
0: We, we are speaking with Mr. Mark Emery, publisher of uh, Cannabis Culture magazine. Mark, you, uh, I think, see the cracks in this policy of prohibition. It's starting to show through a bit. And uh, by working to uh, motivate uh, perhaps the voters who normally don't go to the polls, uh, there is a chance we can make major differences here soon. Am I right?
1: Well, there's about 40 riding uh, districts in America where the winner won by under 5% of the vote. So those are the areas that are most likely to change hands. If we can get the people who are angry about the war, if we can get the young people who are appalled with, I mean, when you read our issue and you look at how the Republican white males, and they're all white, and if they're Republican, there are no black Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives or Senate. If you look at the way these white Republican males vote, they're the most self-centered, piggish, backwards, uh, fascist, uh, America hating group of people you ever saw. The America they believe in is an America of a medieval, you know, uh, almost antebellum period of the 1880s. It, it, it's an America for white people. It's an America for people of privilege. It's an intolerant America when you look at the voting record of these Republicans. You know, we analyzed ten votes that the U.S. Congress took. By the way, not one of them involves spending more money. So none of them are big government bills if you voted the right way. So, you get a really good snapshot of the 109th Congress with those 10 votes. And no kidding, 67 people, 67 uh, U.S. House members, so the House of Representatives, 65 Republicans, and two Democrats, voted the wrong way on every single vote. In other words, what, 67 people alone in the House voted to raise, to spend $25 million more on pot ads, to stop. People in MedPot states from getting relief and, and the, the medicine they need. They endorsed the drug czar's office to pursue and hound people. They approved of 28, 20, 287 million more in, in drug task force grants, which are terribly corrupt. They voted to have the Patriot Act. They voted to spray aerial poisons over Columbia. They voted to have a war in Iraq. They voted to bring up home, Homeland Security. They voted to raise fines. And they voted to keep a torture school open, and 67 people voted the wrong way on all 10 votes. And they're evil, and we are really targeting them to be defeated if possible. And they largely come from states like Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama and Nebraska and and places, Louisiana, that have horrible, horrible representation.
0: Well, uh, Mark, uh, this summation of the votes of those 67 uh, representatives kind of underlines my thought, I I repeat often enough, that... uh, those who support uh, drug prohibition are the best friends the drug lords could ever hope for. It's ignorance and bias and bullshit and
1: and intolerance. It's the same intolerance that 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 made the Klan so popular. It's the same intolerance that's made the South a very very difficult place after even a hundred years to see civil rights properly enacted, the voting right. Black people are stripped of their votes all the time in the South, in Florida, Mississippi, when they get a felony. And, of course, the, you know, the, the white community is always looking to give black people felonies so that they no longer are part of the system. They feel more disenfranchised, more likely to use drugs. The more you ostracize people and push them outside of the mainstream, the more they're going to act like an outlaw class. And by denying people the right to vote, you tell them their, their participation isn't worthwhile, isn't necessary, isn't important. They're not American. They don't deserve to be in canada you can vote in jail i i, I have many convictions twenty two for marijuana and i have i can still run for office still vote and any prisoner can still vote in prison during an election nobody loses their vote in canada if if your vote is inalienable i do not see how they can take it away from you by such a simple act of a legislative pen that's outrageous The united states is full of uh... strange contradictions of its democratic heritage versus its Rather cruel fascist reality of the current day, but that shouldn't get us. We shouldn't let cynicism replace action. The problem with people say, "Oh, it's hopeless. Nothing can change." Well, with that attitude, nothing will certainly change. Right, But if we organize together, especially all these young people from 18 to 25 who typically don't vote, never voted, don't know what's going on, don't know anything about what their representatives. by the time I fill them full of all these fascinating facts, they're angry and they want to do something and they want to see some change and they want to get involved. So we've got two months to get tens of thousands of young people in campuses and universities listening to your show, uh, stoners, pot smokers, trippers, um, you name it. Everybody who's been saying... Oh, it doesn't matter what you, who you vote for. Change can't happen. Uh, that's bullshit. There's lots that can be done, and one person alone can change hundreds of votes if they're very serious and committed and, and are willing to educate people.
0: Once again, we're speaking with Mr. Mark Emery, uh, publisher of Cannabis Culture Magazine. Uh, Mark, uh, quickly give us that uh, website again, where folks. can I get want
1: uh, everybody to go to. Uh, they can go to the front page of cannabisculture.com, and you'll see the Vote 2006. Button there, you can go to MySpace underscore Vote two thousand and six underscore Army. So the MySpace underscore Vote two thousand and six underscore Army, it's called the MySpace Army, and uh, and my email address is mark m a r c at cannabisculture dot com. So you can do it through MySpace, through Cannabis Culture, through my email. And if you send me your zip code, I will send you a complete profile of the options available for U.S. House of Representatives, for the Senate, for whatever's governor, for whatever's going on. In your state, I will give you a a variety of options to participate in a campaign that's idealistic and worthwhile, educational, and you'll really enjoy yourself and you'll make a
2: difference on America. Hurwitz granted new trial. Dr. William Hurwitz was a physician practicing in Northern Virginia for many years. He treated quite a few patients suffering from chronic pain. The Drug Enforcement Administration saw the number of prescriptions for opioid narcotics, which Dr. Hurwitz was writing, and began an investigation complete with confidential informants posing as patients. On the basis of the DEA's investigation, Dr. Hurwitz was charged with several counts of narcotics trafficking and healthcare fraud. He was convicted and sentenced to 25 years in federal prison. Pain management experts and advocates for patients were horrified. Dr. Hurwitz may have been, quote, at the extreme of practice, if not over the line, end quote, as one lukewarm supporter put it, yet his prescribing practices were probably within the guidelines regarding pain management prescribing, which the DEA issued at the time of the Hurwitz trial. Those guidelines were dropped by the DEA when Hurwitz's defense lawyers tried to introduce those guidelines at trial raising yet more fears among pain management physicians and their patients. The Fourth Federal Circuit Court of Appeals ruled at the end of August that the jury was not given proper instructions by the judge at trial and has ordered a new trial for Dr. Hurwitz. The defense had wanted to argue that Dr. Hurwitz had acted in good faith by prescribing the dosages of pain medicines of which he is accused, but the jury was not allowed to hear that testimony. Though it ruled in their favor, the court did not accept the defense's definition of good faith, which has raised alarm bells among some patient advocates. Yet the bottom line is that Dr. Hurwitz will get another chance. For the Drug Truth Network, this is Doug McVeigh, editor of drugwarfacts.org.
0: I'm glad to have back with us once again here on the Drug Truth Network Mr. Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja, noted author and marijuana expert. Ed, the federal courts are... uh, trying to come after you once again for those plants you you grew for the city of oakland are they not
3: that's right i think that what they're trying to do is use this to start um they really want to close down all of the clubs in california and they've already closed down 45 of them in san diego and it's much more difficult to do it in a community that has uh... such support for them as san francisco or oakland you know the San Francisco Bay Area,
0: and for those so what they're
3: trying to do is they think if they knock off somebody prominent like me, that uh, they'll be able to make more headway in their
0: campaign. And uh, for those who who may not know, Ed was authorized by the city of Oakland to grow uh, clones. I think it was for the medical marijuana patients, and then was busted uh, for his efforts. Uh, I understand there were some recent. Um, disclosure non disclosure before the uh, grand jury there in Alameda County tell us how, how that's developing the
3: prosecutor subpoenaed two people who he thought were associated with me and uh, both of those people have uh, th- they've been given they were given partial immunity and both of them have refused to uh, participate with the government and the government says that they're going to indict them as well the fourth person who was indicted at the time I was but he was too ill at the time to be tried and he's now going on the stand he's going to be tried and he is uh, he is also pleading not guilty
0: and Ed the, the for those again who may not know uh, your situation went all the way to the US Supreme Court uh, bounced through a couple of appeals and eventually you were found guilty but sentenced to one day. That you had already served. What are what they going to let do? Let me
3: uh, let me just clarify that. So what happened was, I, I was found guilty, and on three charges: cultivation, conspiracy, and uh, maintaining a place where marijuana is cultivated. So then, once the jury found out the truth, eight of the twelve jurors renounced their verdict, and they repudiated it four days after they had made the verdict. Then, six months later, I was sentenced to one day, time served. But I still had the three uh, felony charges against me. And uh, then I appealed that. And the appeals court said that they were going to eliminate the uh, guilty and that I should be retried because one of the jurors had sought legal advice from an attorney regarding the trial then I appealed again and this time it was to an enpanque court and what that did was eliminated a really onerous line that they had in their decision which said that even in California what I was doing would not be considered legal and they removed that but it gave the prosecution a chance to retry me and that's what they're doing in this case you know there are four defendants, and the reason why they're doing it is that they're trying to close down the whole medical provider services in the uh, in California.
0: And and again, I, I want to back up to the point. You were convicted, yet sentenced to one day uh, time served. They're now wanting to go after you to a, uh, perhaps apply uh, some sort of minimum sentence or.
3: That's right. Yeah, what they—I think what they're going to try and charge me with is uh, being a ringleader, and then they say I wouldn't be eligible for the uh, for the minimum sentence that I got. I, I don't think that's really the issue. I think that the issue is whether patients in California are going to be able to get their medicine or not, and I think that's the issue that's going to be tried in the courts, whether the courts like it or not.
0: Well, they're setting you up for an example. Uh, earlier in this show, we talked to uh, Mark Emery. I understand you had a chance to visit with him of late. Yes. And, and in his country, the DEA is trying to set him up as an example of what can happen if, right. you, if you speak up. Uh, your thoughts?
3: When Jane and I saw, you know, Mark publishes Cannabis Culture magazine, and when we saw the most recent issue, which had a picture of he and his new wife and Jody, his wife, And Jane and I, uh, you know, on the editorial page, uh, I can just tell you that it was one of the most thrilling things that has happened to me recently because he is such an incredible hero, and he is the father of the marijuana movement in uh, Canada. All the progress that they made, every bit of progress that's been made in Canada, Mark put his foot forward first.
0: And, and not just in Canada. He helped me a few years back when the Drug Truth Network was about to go under. He's made millions of dollars and uh, given Give it, it away. away. Given it away. And, and as you have uh, informed millions of readers with your books, with your Ask Ed columns, and uh, just your knowledge uh, within the reform community, Ed, um, what, what would you say to the average listener out there who who may feel uh... who may know this truth and and uh... and yet is not doing anything to to bring about change
3: uh... you know i'm not going to try and excoriate them or tell them that they're nasty people or they're not doing their job or anything like that i have just one thing to say nobody gives you your freedom you know it's not like you go to a store and you say well give me a package of freedom you know or you, you know you don't say well you know if you have any spare freedom you want to pass it my way pass that bowl of freedom that doesn't happen people don't give you your freedom you have to fight for it and you have to protect it and you have to safeguard it and um, you know right now i find myself in the forefront of doing that and um, uh... you know it's a it's a, a tremendous responsibility i hope that uh, as well as for myself, but I, I hope that I succeed in this for the community because, uh, really, they, this is, this is just um, you know they they take one big person like they're going after Barry Bonds now, or you remember when they went after uh, Martha Stewart or somebody like that, and they try and make an example of them, and that's that's what they're trying to do with me. I mean. The, the only difference between, like, Martha Stewart and myself is that, of course, she was breaking the law, and I wasn't, and they're going after me. And so there's there's a big... Uh, and that's a big, significant difference. And also, I think that my situation is... Um, whatever happens to me, will, if one way or the other, is going to affect the entire community. They've selected this fight, and... Um, we don't you know it's not like it's not like a boxing match where you have a choice no i don't think I'll fight that guy you know so you don't have a choice here the, the difference between this and let's say a sports game is here it's you bet your life
0: indeed you are sir and uh, it is because of your uh, years long stance taken your courage your uh, your expertise and uh, your longevity within the reform community—that they are coming after you. Am I right?
3: You know, this is uh, going to cost a tremendous amount. Even though the lawyers are giving us reduced rates, or going to give us reduced rates, or you know, no rates at all, but it's still going to cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. There are four defendants. We really need uh, help from the, from the community and. and Anybody, for instance, who um, who has read one of my books and it's helped them, it, if they feel uh, good, they should they can just type my name in Google or type Green Age on Google, and they'll get it. Well, so if uh, anybody would like to support the effort, which you know is going to be very very costly, even though we're getting great lawyers at re- very reduced prices. Um, you can uh, check out our website, Green GreenAid, uh, and you can just Google that in or Google my name in and you'll find it. And uh, we would appreciate any support that anybody has. We would we, really appreciate it. You know, it's a, t- it's a terrible thing that uh, people have to go through this. And, you know, at some point people will look back and will try to understand how the government could be so cruel as to keep medicine from uh, people who really need it? You know, people in in a future time, people will read about this and they won't understand what it was all about. But you know, it's just a cruel thing for for, um, for the government to know that there's a medicine out there that can help people, and not only won't they help people get it, but they keep it from people and. and put people like me in this uh, terrible situation that when you're um, uh, helping sick people that you get arrested for it. You know, I, I've thought that the, the government's attitude towards sick people, especially the people who have chronic illnesses in the United States, is, is uh, almost genocidal. For instance, uh, you know, they're prosecuting the pain doctors, people who, who use marijuana medically and uh, and uh, they don't make life easy for people, any people with any kinds of chronic illnesses. And It's a special form of cruelty.
0: Indeed it is. Ed, well, uh, once again, please give us that website.
3: It's uh, green-aid.com.
0: We'll be in touch soon, my yes, friend.
3: We'll yes, we'll keep you in touch with what's going on. It's going to be an exciting two months. The trial has to begin by the end of October, according to law.
0: Well, say hi to your wife, Jane, and I wish you the very best. Thank you. Well, that's about it for today's program. I am nearing completion on my first DVD production from Seattle, counterculture or pro-culture. If any of you listeners or producers out there have the ability or know-how to get this video on your local access or college station, please send me an email to dean at drugtruth.net. We have been duped. Please do your part to help end this madness. The drug lords run both sides of this equation. Prohibido estac y valesco. For the Drug Truth Network, this is Dean Becker asking you to examine our policy of drug prohibition, The Century of Lies. The show produced at the Pacifica Studios of KPFT, Houston. Our engineer, Philip Guthier.